All right, so I want to continue and hopefully finish off, in fact, I will finish off, sharing a word that I started last week, which is about kingdom impact, which is our vision corporately as a church this year, and looking into what it means, what the requirements are for us as a church, but then also looking at what individually God wants us to do in relation to uh, kingdom impact for us as children of God. So why don't we pray? And then I'll go into the word. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege that it is we're spending time in your presence. I pray that, Lord, as we hear your word, that you'll speak into our hearts, draw us closer to you, and help us, oh God, to really take on board and take forward kingdom impact and everything, oh God, that it, that it means to us as your children, as a church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So by way of recap, especially for those who weren't here last week, I'm just going to recap and go over some of the things that I mentioned, and then I'll continue from where I left off and then hopefully conclude this word. So Kingdom Impact. So for those of you that don't know, Kingdom Impact is our uh, corporate vision for this year as a church. Last year, we looked at, um, it was Kingdom something. You can remember what it was last year. Bless the Impact. That's what it was. Um, and again, this year is looking at kingdom impact. And the whole focus for the last, I think, two or three years, corporately as a church, is looking at God's kingdom and how we as his children, as a church, can help to promote and advance and to uh, ensure that God's kingdom is communicated and um, just revealed in the world that we live in. So the key scripture that I mentioned last week, and I mentioned it now, about what underpins kingdom impact is taken from Matthew 6, 33, scripture that we all know which is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. This is the foundational scripture for kingdom impact. Seeking God's kingdom first and all his righteousness. In other words, the priority that we should be following in our lives is God's kingdom. The priority that we should not be following in our lives is our own kingdom. That's what I mentioned. God's kingdom, and I, I mentioned it before, is simply God's rules, God's ways, God's, uh, um, God's will. Though these are the things that demonstrate God's kingdom. Our kingdom is our will, our ways, and the things that we do that promote our own lives. And what that scripture is saying is that it's God's kingdom that needs to be first, not our own kingdom. Now, the challenge that we all have, because we are all very busy, we are all involved in many different things, is to be deliberate in making sure that it's God's kingdom that we put first. Because a day is coming when every single one of us will stand before God and God will ask us in relation to his word, what did we do? How did we live? And this scripture is one of the scriptures that God will speak to us about and say, concerning my kingdom, how did you put my kingdom first? So right now that we are alive, we're breathing, we have breath in our, in our lungs, etc. We need to make sure that we're in the past, that our own kingdom has been put first, that we, re, we totally change that around and make sure that it's God's kingdom that we are putting first and prioritizing the things of God. Amen? So we went on to speak about impact for Christ and what it means. We looked at Matthew 5, um, verses 13 to 16, when it talks about being salt and light. And I'll quickly go over that scripture. So you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses, loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. 
So you are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor, can, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So part of God's uh, direction to us or directive to us to um, advance his kingdom is that we show to those around us that we are sought and we are light. And I went on to explain about the difference between salt and light and the influence that it has. We all know when you put salt on food, it makes a difference. You can eat the food because there's salt on it and it has taste. Where you put light in a situation where there's darkness, you can see, you can function, you can operate, you can plan because there is light as opposed to darkness. And that is how God wants us to be as his children, that when we are around people, that we give off so when we're speaking about the things of God and the kingdom of God, speaking about why we believe and why we, why we have a relationship with the Lord, the Lord will, will anoint us in such a way that when they hear it, it's like salt on food, that it becomes tasty. They want more. They want to they enjoy it because how it's being through you and it impacts them. And the same with light, that where in the past their eyes were closed, they couldn't see or even they couldn't hear when it came to the things of God. But when you share and when you speak about why you're saved and why you have a relationship with God, you are causing their eyes to open so that there now is light on their situation. They can then see their life in comparison to how God wants their life to be. And then they can move accordingly. So sort of light, those are the, those are the things that uh, are, are, are what the Lord wants us to, how the Lord wants us to influence um, when it comes to God's kingdom. So we looked at the word impact and the acronym, which is I is for influence, M is for mission, I won't go into the details, P is for prayer, A is for authority, God's authority that is given to us to make sure that we demonstrate God's power, C is for community, meaning that we should be a blessing to our immediate community and those around us, and then C is for team, meaning that in order for us to advance God's kingdom, we cannot do it by ourselves. We're not supposed to do it by ourselves. We are supposed to do it as a body and as part of God's family. Amen? So then we looked at some other scriptures in relation to the kingdom of God, and we looked at the aspect of God's power. And I mentioned that one of the ways that God wants us to demonstrate his kingdom is by being used of God to demonstrate his power, his authority. The Bible says that, that as we pray to him, that we would do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. And there are things placed in us through his Holy Spirit that will enable us to demonstrate God's supernatural power. Now, I mentioned before that it is unfortunately, and it is rare to be within the Christian circles and see God's power being evidenced. So, for example, somebody walks in who, who is in a wheelchair, and they're prayed for and they're able to stand and walk and function. Somebody walks in who's blind, you, they're prayed for and they're able to see. These things should be the norm of God's kingdom as far as how the scriptures teach. And the scripture that I used before about the Bible says that we can do exceedingly abundantly above. So where there were consistent, regular occurrences of people being healed and, and, and supernatural being uh, shown, that scripture is saying that now, even more regular, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, 
well, the main reason probably is for that we we demonstrate a lack of faith. But putting that aside, God wants us to be showing these things a lot more. So my encouragement for you is this, that in your own personal lives, and I said this last time, that whenever we are in a situation where there is an opportunity for you to show God's supernatural power, you are encouraged to allow your step out in faith and allow God to use you. So somebody comes to you, said that they're not well for whatever reason. You go to them and you tell them, I'm going to pray for you. And when I finish praying, you're going to be better. Somebody who has a particular type of problem. You go to them and say, I'm going to pray for you. And when I finish praying for you, whatever that problem is, is going to be resolved. Now they may think, really? Whatever. But if you want to pray, you can pray. But as you pray for them, you're praying in faith. You're not hoping, you're not wishing, you're not thinking, okay, let's see, it's not abracadabra type of... Uh, situation but you're praying by complete faith that you speak and as you pray for them that you know within yourself that as you pray that that person is going to be healed is that better amen thank you so it's demonstrating god's power making sure that we are used of god to show that god's power exists within us so the bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That same spirit that caused somebody who died to now have to come back from life and have eternal life, that same spirit and all the power, all the authority that was, in, that was, that was placed in Jesus when he raised from the dead, so that same spirit lives in us. So it's for us to make sure that we are making ourselves available to be used by God to manifest God's power and his kingdom. Amen? So there's some scriptures that I think I left off here. So that, yeah, there's some scriptures that I didn't read. I'll go into them that underpin these things. Matthew twelve twenty eight says this, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is saying that God's kingdom and his power and his authority comes upon us and is within us to the extent that any demon, any plan or, or use of the enemy that was here to influence different ones, God is saying that you have the power and the authority to cast out any demon that is in your midst or in the midst of somebody else that you know. Mark 16, verse 17 to 18 said, these, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They would take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. These are examples of how God expects his kingdom to be uh, revealed through us as we are used of him in these areas. Another scripture in Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapter 26, verse 8 says, Five of you shall chase a hundred. And a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemy shall fall by the sword before you. And then this, again, it's analysis of where the odds seem to be against you. Scripture is saying that the, enemy, the Lord will cause enemies that are against you to fall. Regardless of whatever the, the circumstances are, where it may seem as though it's impossible, where it's, it may seem as though that your situation is one that you forget it, it's not going to happen, or it's, all hope is lost. Scripture is saying here that your enemies will fall. Those who are trying to uh, 
um, connive or do things against you to stop you from progressing as we demonstrate God's power, those, those plans that the enemy has shall never come to pass because of the power of God that is in you. So every disciple should be used to using or through, through the power of God working through them. And my prayer is that as we continue this year and as we go into different things, that different challenges and different circumstances that we will face this year, that God would allow all of you to show his power. That we will not think to ourselves, oh, let me call someone to pray for me or let me do something. But immediately you see a situation where you know that I can step in and I can address this. That you respond in faith straight away. And you use the power that is in you to address whatever situation that you are in. It could be a personal one where it's literally just you and yourself and the situation. Or it could be one where it involves other people. But whatever the situation is, that you, I, my prayer is that you respond in faith. And let the power of God that is already in you, it's, it's there. It's waiting to be used. It's waiting to be used. And as you respond to whatever situation that you are in, that you will show God's power. And people around you will see and give glory to God because of the power of God working through your life. Amen. So I mentioned this as part of the uh, impact acronym about working together. So as part of advancing God's kingdom and kingdom impact, unity is a must. We have to be united. All of us are, are, are required to all work together in order to advance God's kingdom. Let's read the scripture. Ecclesiastics 4 verse 9 to 12. It said, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how will one be warm alone? Verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a, f and, and a free cord, threefold cord is not quickly broken. Amen. This is a demonstration of God's unity. God wants us to be united in ensuring that we are advancing God's kingdom. Now, part of the unity in, in advancing God's kingdom, and I want to touch on this, is as a church, corporately, one of, the th one of the ways that God has used us as a church is through friendship evangelism. Now, many of us have different friendships locally, in your, uh, um, in your neighbors, your friends, your work colleagues, your university, etc. And I really sense that God wants us to capitalize on that in terms of when we are uh, uh, in our relationships with our friends, that we use that relationship in order for us to focus on them, to befriend them, to increase our friendship. But through that friendship, we invite them and we disciple them. So you can invite them to church, but then you disciple them in the background. And I feel that God wants us at the church to really focus on just, just literally just one person. Focus on one person this year. And you develop your friendship with them with the intention of discipling them, inviting them to church, and for them to be discipled and to be saved. That's, that is the challenge that I feel that God has given to us this year. Just one person that you focus on through your relationship with them. Now, obviously, this person should not be saved because the whole point is that they they become saved but your focus is that you focus on your friendship with them your relationship with them you disciple them 
and your discipleship doesn't have to be formal discipleship where you go and do Bible study, etc. Your discipleship just could be speaking to them about God's principles. When they tell you about a situation that they're in, you encourage them through through God's word without necessarily quoting scripture, but you use the principles in order to encourage them or to help them with whatever they're going through. Or you could be blatant and, and go ahead and be mentioning scripture, but you are deliberate in be, uh, discipling them, inviting them, and ensuring that by the end of this year, by God's grace, that they are saved and they are added to either to this church or to another church. But that is a challenge that I want to put to us all this year. Friendship evangelism. Now you may want to go beyond and, 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 be, and befriend different ones in that way and focus on them. But I encourage you, just focus on just one person. Just one person. Okay, so... So the first part that I spoke about was more about corporately in terms of kingdom impact, what it means, what it represents and what the church body is required to do in that regard. Now I'm going to focus on us as an individual in terms of us as individual children of God and what, what it means to truly put God's kingdom first and for us to really try and demonstrate God's kingdom. So what I've made a note of are 12 points that will help us to really focus on seeking God's kingdom first and being used to demonstrate God's kingdom. Point number one, and I hope I've got time to go through this, is, and again, helping us to demonstrate God's kingdom and seek God's kingdom first. First point is that we should be demonstrate obedience to God. Demonstrate obedience to God. Matthew 5.19 says, anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of God. Amen? God is a God of obedience. And it's interesting, the Bible says to parents, no, in fact, the, the Bible is focused on the children when it says, it says, children, obey your parents so they may be well with you. Now, as a parent, you are in a position where you are almost demonstrating godship over your children. So you are the head of your children, the same way that when you become an adult, the head of you is God. And God is demonstrating in scripture that obedience is something that he focuses on. Anyone who obeys God, Lord, it says, and teaches them will be great in God's kingdom. In other words, that says that God is serious when it comes to obedience. So whenever God gives you an instruction and said, Nick, I want you to do this. Peter, I don't want you to do this. These are God's instructions that God gives to us. Sometimes it's audible. Sometimes he will lay something on our heart. Sometimes he will bring someone to give you information. But these are instructions that God has given to you. And the key is regardless of what the instruction is, because sometimes it may be a, some, something that you think, yeah, that's fine. Other times it could be that there's no way that I can do this. Whatever the situation is, God is saying that you need to obey the instruction because when you disobey the instruction there are consequences that you will regret for the rest of your life i'm telling you let's look at the scriptures in first samuel chapter 15 if i cut off time i'll just explain uh this scripture now most of you know the scripture that says that obedience is better than sacrifice that scripture comes from uh, this portion of scripture in first samuel 15 now the story is this God anointed uh, Saul to be king. God gave Saul an instruction and told him to 
go and uh, uh, capture in fact no not even capture it said go and kill this king called king agag i believe his name was go to his area kill him kill everybody in the area including children blah 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 I mean, this is old testament so when in the old testament as most of you know god operated on a very different level in terms of battles people being killed etc that that was how the old testament time worked but that was, that was the instruction that god gave to king saul to go into this area where this uh, a man king agag was destroy everybody and everything all the possessions everything there and then come back and then report what has happened to i think it was to to samuel so king saul went into this land he killed everyone apart from the king all the possessions and everything that were there he was also told to destroy everything he saw the possessions he saw the the cows and all the things that represented uh, uh, wealth etc and all the best wealthy things he didn't destroy them he took them and brought them back with him so when he came back he came back with the king that he should have killed and he came back with all the 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 the, the best possessions that he should have destroyed so the Lord told Samuel to go to, to Saul to confirm that uh, he had done what he was asked to do. Obviously, God knew anyway, but he just told him to go. So when Saul went to, to meet, uh, uh, um, uh, Samuel went to meet Saul, he saw all the possessions around and he saw the, the king that was, was supposed to have been killed. And then Saul said to, to, to um, um, Samuel said to Saul, um, why are these people here? You were told to, to kill the king. And why are these things here? In fact, let me read what, what uh, Saul said. Because what he said is something that we ourselves do when we are given an instruction, which is very interesting what he said here. First Samuel 15. I'm going to read from, where is it? Um, Yeah, I read from, thank you, I read from 18, thanks, uh, Joe. From 17, I read. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? So this is Samuel speaking to, to um, Saul. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites who, who he went to, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, and listen to this, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of Amalek, I have utterly destroyed all the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder and the sheep and the oxen and the best things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God. So this is what the guy is saying. He went there, but rather than killing King Agag, he brought him back. He explained that one. But his reason for bringing back all those other things that he should have destroyed was because he wanted to make them as a sacrifice to God. Now see, 
that answer may seem honorable because it's like, okay, you know what? Let me take these. I know God has said, do this. But you know what? Let me bring them because I want to sacrifice them before the Lord and do it as an offering unto him. And this is where in verse... Where's that famous scripture? I can't find it now. But anyway, at some point afterwards, this is where it says that obedience is better than sacrifice. God didn't ask him to go and bring the king back alive. He didn't ask him to go and uh, and bring the the different resources, the the cows and all those kind of things, and to bring them as a, as a sacrifice to the Lord. He told him to destroy them. And later on in scripture, the Bible says that um, that the Lord actually made a made a, a saying that he he regretted. Uh, making Saul king but even further than I said he regretted that Saul was even born imagine God said that about you now that came from him disobeying God's instructions now I'm emphasizing and I'm laboring on this point to say this that whenever God speaks to you about anything in your life you better make sure that you obey what God is saying to you because God knows exactly what he wants you to do but at the same time, God also knows what exactly what he does not want you to do. So where God may say to you, don't do that, you better make sure that you don't do it. If God says, go ahead, then you better make sure that you go ahead. Whatever the instruction is, and however you know God speaks to you, God will speak to us differently. God will maybe whisper something in your mind, and I say, or you may be just be, you know, you may read something and it may come alive to you, and it's like, oh yeah, God is speaking to me there. Or somebody may come to you randomly and just communicate something to you that you know that how did this person even that's that's god speaking you know sometimes someone will say something to you they don't know anything about the background or situation but they've just given you information that you know that this is god speaking to you because they have no connection they don't know anything so you know how god speaks to you and when it comes in the form of an instruction i encourage you that whatever that instruction is make sure that you do whatever the instruction is to the t don't do what Saul, what Saul did. He did parts of it. And then the other parts that he did, he had a justifiable reason for not doing them. You go and stand before God and start saying, no, see Lord, I know you told me to do this, but I actually thought it was a better idea that if I did this and I did that instead, that you know, you'll, be, you'll be pleased with it. Let's see how far that will get you. Because I didn't get Saul anyway. So obedience is so key when it comes to advancing God's kingdom, but on a, in, on a personal level, in making sure that whatever we do, that we do it in obedience. Now, I could put my hands up and say that I've disobeyed the Lord in quite a few different things. And I said, Lord, when I read this, I said, Lord, please, I beg, where I've, I've disobeyed previously, forgive me. That married men's group that, that, that I've set up, that was through God speaking to me a couple of years ago. And that's how it came into play. But I disobeyed in terms of when I started it. Because I sort of started it a couple of years back. Because that's when God spoke to, me, spoke to me about it. So that was a demonstration of me not obeying. In the time that I should have obeyed. So anything in your life that you know that God has been speaking to you about. And for whatever reason you haven't done it yet. Or it could be something that you need to do. Or something that you need to stop doing. Or whatever it is. I want to encourage you, 
and we'll, 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 I'll give time at the end. Take time out. Just pray and speak to him. Where you know that you've been disobedient, you need to just confess. Say, Lord, I have not done what you've asked me to do. Have mercy on me. Help me now to do whatever it is. It's not a case of that, Lord, I've disobeyed, but can you give me an, a new instruction for me to do that thing but on a different way? No. Whatever he's asked you to do, you make sure that you do it. Amen? Okay, there were 12 points and I've labored on that one for a bit, but I think I needed to. Okay, the second reason as to why we need to prioritize God's kingdom in terms of seeking God's kingdom first or second thing we need to demonstrate is to love our enemies. Love your enemies. Mark 5, 44 and 46 says, if you love only those who love you, what good is that? Loving those who only love you. The reason why the scripture is emphasizing on that is because the world does that all the time. The world will only show love towards somebody if you show love to them. Even then, you're even fortunate if you even receive love back. But that's what the world does. You do good to me, I will do good to you. You show love to me, I will show love to you. But the scriptures say that in order for us to demonstrate God's kingdom, if someone comes to you in hatred, in bitterness, in anger, deliberately, not even by accident, but they deliberately want to address you itoro, and they want to cause your life pain on purpose. They wake up in the morning and what they think of, I want to make sure that itoro suffers today. That's, that's, their, that's their, their, their desire. Nothing else, that's their focus. So when you see them, when you're around them, you feel that this person, all they want to do is bring your downfall. But what is God saying how you should be with them? It's here. Love your enemies. Love them. Love them. Okay, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he so loved the world that he gave his only son. He so loved the world that he gave. So part of that scripture means that when you love somebody, you also you give. So when it comes to someone that's your enemy, you realize that it's not a case of, because one of the things that people do is that when someone who's their enemy, someone doesn't like them, they keep out of their way. They make sure they're not around them so they don't have to address them. They don't have to be in a situation with them where an argument may start. They don't have to, um, just they don't have to acknowledge them because it's like, let me just keep out of their way. But when you love your enemy, part of it is that you deliberately are around them because you are giving of yourself to them, but you're giving a form of love. Now, is that easy? Is anyone encouraged to, to do that? Okay, is anyone, okay, by show of hands, who can recognize that in their life they have enemies? This is a bit of a strange question, but who can recognize that there are enemies that they have in their life? People that you know that for, for whatever reason, they just don't like you. Put your hands up. Only two, three. I think you guys need to think a bit more about your lives. Hmm? Hmm. That's interesting. Because do you know that being part of God's kingdom means that automatically, that you have you should have enemies. You should have enemies. So to be fair, you need to look at your life and realize, Lord, why do I not recognize that I have enemies? Or why do I not have any enemies? Because if we are living in a way that demonstrates God's kingdom, automatically we should have enemies. 
I said this last week, that the way that the world is now, in terms of the, the agenda based on uh, sexuality and all these things, that where the laws are changing. If we are being the children of God, God wants us to be, we will have enemies as a result of these things. Because when someone will come and ask you and say, uh, I should have the same rights as, uh, as uh, uh, being married to uh, the uh, same-sex person as you have being married to, to uh, um, uh, the opposite sex, what are you going to say? And that person maybe is your boss that said that to you. What are you going to say for fear of getting sacked? But if I say it now, I could get the sack. But who gave you the job in the first place? So we should have enemies because of God's kingdom. See, I said I'm going to finish. I'm not going to finish this today at all. Okay, so those of you that put your hands up to say you had enemies, when was the last time that you demonstrated an act of love towards your enemy? Hmm? You told me you left at the right time. <laughs> when was the last time that you demonstrated an act of love towards that enemy that you've recognized that you have? See, God wants us to make disciples. And as we demonstrate love, God's love, the same love that he gave when he, when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. God will use us and help us to make disciples those around us. So don't be daunted by the fact you have enemies. You're supposed to have enemies and it's, as being part of God's kingdom. But God wants us to use the grace that is in us to show love towards our enemies. Okay, one more, then I'll, I want us to pray. The next one that helps us to demonstrate God's kingdom and what we should be showing as his children is justice. Matthew 5, 6 said, God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice. See, where people have been taken advantage of, and this is just an example, God expects you to step in and address that situation as part of advancing God's kingdom, as part of seeking God's kingdom first. We don't turn a blind eye, or God doesn't want us to turn a blind eye to things around us, where we see that there's blatant injustice. I'm not talking about, at times, subtle, but the blatant injustice, even, even subtle. So injustice in whatever format, God expects us, again, to demonstrate salt and light and to step in in whatever way that he that you that, that the Holy Spirit is leading you to do so, but we step in. We don't turn a blind eye to it. We don't pretend it's not there, but we step in by his spirit. And the scripture said, God blessed those who are hungry and thirsty for justice. This is all part of seeing God's kingdom advance. And my prayer, I'm gonna pray in a minute, that God will help us. So any situation that we are in, that we face, that we see that we're part of where we know that there's an element of injustice god is encouraging and, and, and expecting us to an extent to step in and address it in whatever way so it may mean that you may take need to take somebody to one side and say listen this thing that's taking place it shouldn't be happening it needs to change and if and i, I want to be part of that change in whatever way the holy spirit is speaking to you but you step in because you are demonstrating that as a child of god 
that you want justice to take place. So in your own situation, in your own uh, circle that you're in, where you are exposed or you see elements of injustice, don't allow that to, to, to continue. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to step in and address that issue of injustice in whatever way that he wants to. Amen? Amen. I want us to pray. Time is gone. I mentioned before about disobedience, and I want us really to focus on that right now. So any area of your life that you know that the Lord has been speaking to you over the years or even recently about things in your life that God has said that you should either do or you shouldn't do. It's a form of instruction, whatever way, shape or form. God has spoken to you about something. And you know that for whatever reason you have not done it. I want you to pray right now. Just speak to the Lord. Maybe on the flip side that you don't have any areas of disobedience as such. But you want the Lord to help you to be more quick, quicker to obey. That whenever the Lord speaks, that you're quick to obey and action, whatever it is the Lord has spoken to you about. If that's you, just pray into that right now. Thank you, Lord. Father, you hear the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that, Lord, as you hear where our hearts are concerning obeying you, that, Lord, that you will help us to draw closer to you. Forgive us where we have disobeyed. Father, where we have justified disobeying you in the same way that Saul justified not following the instruction that you gave to him. We pray for your mercy to be upon us. Father, going forward, help us to obey as you speak. That whatever instruction that you give to us, no matter how daunting it may seem or sound, that Lord, we will obey every instruction, every part of it, every detail of the instruction, that we will do exactly what it is that you have told us to do. As your word says, that obedience is better than sacrifice. So Father, help us. Speak to us right now. In the way that you've been speaking to us, we pray that you will obey. In our personal lives, with our finances, in our relationships with different ones, in our marriages, with our children, in our workplaces, with our family members. Father, whatever instruction you've given to us to do, we pray that you will help us to obey. Help us to obey. We thank you this morning, Father. We pray. Hear us and help us, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen.